welcome to my podcast, John Scott Lawton's English, you know. In this episode, I interview Martina Gregorova, a public relations officer at an environmental company in London. She's passionate about tackling the climate crisis and became an accredited climate reality leader last year. Martina spends her free time educating others about how to take environmental action. She's also an enthusiastic vegan. That's what we'll be talking about in this episode, as she talks about her journey to being a vegan, becoming a vegan, when, how and why she became a vegan, how her family and friends reacted to her decision, and what she found difficult and how it's changed her life for the better. We hope you'll enjoy this podcast, and in the podcast description, there are links to a couple of books which Martina mentions, and which are really important in coming to an understanding of the philosophy underpinning veganism and vegan action for change. There's also a website that Martina mentions, and again, this is included within the podcast description. If you'd like to make a comment on, the, on this episode, or any of the episodes in my series, please do so, preferably using the Anchor sound app, so that I can include your comments within the podcast itself. Thank you very much. Hi there, Martina, and thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. I'm delighted to be able to speak to you. I know I've been wanting to speak to you for a while. So today we've picked the theme of veganism, not veganism, but veganism. We'll explain why later, but um, it's something you're particularly personally interested in and very committed to. So first of all, if I can ask you, can you define for me what you believe, what you understand veganism to be? Well, first of all, thank you so much uh, for having me and uh, hello and hello everybody. Hello to everybody who is listening. Um, I'm very excited to be here today because um, the topic that we're discussing is very dear to my heart and I'm, I'm really grateful that uh, you gave me this opportunity to discuss it uh, with you today. So back to your first question, um, you would like me to define veganism, which to be honest, it's not an easy task. However, I prepared myself um, and I can read out to you the official definition uh, from the Vegan Society's website that I wrote down and then maybe simplify it in my own words and also elaborate on what my personal understanding of the vegan philosophy is, if that sounds good to you. That sounds great. Yeah? That's perfect. Thank you. Great. So uh, the official definition goes like this. Veganism is a philosophy and way of living which seeks to exclude, as far as is possible and practicable, all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing, or any other purpose, and by extension, promotes the development and use of animal-free alternatives for the benefit of animals, humans, and the environment. So that is veganism in official terms. Now, I would try to simplify it in a way that um, a vegan is a person who tries to not participate in any form of exploitation, of animal exploitation or cruelty, which um, I think most people are familiar with the vegan diet. So a vegan diet is a plant-based diet, which, you know, it can be either a whole food plant-based diet, which is the, the healthy diet we, that we can go into a bit more later on. Um, and then, of course, you can have a very unhealthy vegan diet as well, because Vegan means uh, that it just doesn't contain any any sort of animal products. So vegan vegan can be 
both healthy and unhealthy. I think it's important to say in the very beginning. Um, and that's just the dietary part of, of the topic, you know? Yes. And so, yeah, just to, just to summarize, vegans generally uh, try to not use any kind of animal products in either their diet or, you know, hygienic products or um, clothing, furniture. Um, yeah, there are several areas you can apply this to, but... So, for example, yeah. in the non-diet area, in the clothing area, a vegan mm. would avoid wearing leather shoes, for example, if that leather obviously exactly. comes from an animal. Yeah, exactly. Because nowadays we have so many different alternatives um, that are also sustainable, and um, nobody has to suffer for it. So, I don't know if you've heard of mushroom leather, for example, um, or pineapple leather, different kinds of plant-based leathers. So. Yep, that's yep. what I was alluding to there. There are still leathers, but they're not from an animal. That's that's really helpful. Good definition. Um, yeah. We'll speak a lot more about the food aspect, because I think that's what a, a lot of people know about veganism, and they have an mm -hmm. opinion, they take an opinion on it. Um, but tell me about yourself and your own journey to veganism. What, what led you on this journey? When and why and how did you become a vegan? Uh, well, I actually thought about this um, this morning. And it's, yeah, I, I would have to say that um, it all started about six years ago. And at that time, I have to say, I didn't even know much about animal rights. And I was a little bit familiar with the term veganism, but I was seeing it through mainly through the environmental lens, because at that time, I believe most of uh, young people mainly uh, became very invested in all things climate, because that was the year when you know, Leonardo DiCaprio released his um, Before the Flood documentary. Um, I think the same year Greta Thunberg sat down in front of the Swedish parliament um, and began her very first climate strike. So around that time, I started realizing that we are in a climate crisis and um, I started educating myself on what can I personally do as an individual to reduce my carbon footprint. So I came across uh, veganism but as i said just from the environmental perspective um so about five or six years ago as i said i started um, reducing my meat consumption uh, with the intention of reducing my carbon footprint but i had no idea about animal rights even though i have been an, um, an animal lover my entire life i i never really came across any literature on animal rights or any any documentary even so that all came a little bit later uh, when I when I encountered a colleague who was vegan, and that was three years ago, and that changed everything. She was a big inspiration for me. And was it through conversation with her that you developed your ideas and your your own personal philosophy, or did you follow the path of others? How did you explore the depths of of being a vegan and what it would mean for you personally? Mm -hmm. I well, she was uh, she was my colleague who was sitting right next to me on the on the chair next to me. So uh, we were spending a lot of time together. We are both interns at that time. So you know, as an intern here and there, you find some time to have a chat. Um, yeah, I, I used to ask her a lot of stuff because she we became friends. She was a very lovely colleague of mine. Her name was Melissa. <laughs> Might send this podcast to her. So hi hi Melissa, if you're listening. And yeah, so Melissa was this 
amazingly educated young woman who had an answer to every single question I asked her regarding veganism. And on top of that, she, I have to say like, she was probably the most healthy looking person I knew at that time. She was incredibly sporty, you know, good looking and a nice person after all. So she, um, I think I was very lucky that my first encounter with veganism face to face, so to say, was very positive. You know, she was this perfect representation of um, a happy, healthy vegan person. So I started asking her a lot of questions um, as to, you know, why she's vegan, what is happening in the animal industry or the animal um, agriculture sector. Um, yeah, and she was able to explain a lot of the stuff very much in depth. But I remember that at that time, I felt incredibly overwhelmed by the amount of information that she was saying, because the animal industry is huge. Like There are so many different subtopics you can discuss. And she was just giving me all of this information. And I just remember feeling like, well, okay, she definitely, like, it sounds like she's right. You know, she, she's right. But I came home and I wanted to tell my friend what I've learned today. And I felt like, well, I can't even interpret it because it's just been so much information. So I just remember being very overwhelmed by that, but kind of developing this feeling of this is maybe not right. You know, I don't feel like it's it's right anymore what I'm doing, how I'm eating, maybe how I'm behaving as a consumer. So, um, yeah, but it didn't happen overnight, 100%. It, it, it took me a few months to, you know, ask my colleague a few questions and and start educating myself, watching a few documentaries, reading a few books. And um, yeah, eventually coming to the conclusion that um, this will be better for me, for the animals, for the environment. Um, and I don't see any single reason why I should um, continue consuming animals or, or using their products in any aspect of my life. So can I ask, how did your friends and family react when you told them I'm going to be a vegan? You know, did you make that kind of bold statement or did you talk it through with them and discuss it with them? Did you try and influence them? How did they react? Oh, yeah, good question. I, I don't really remember a particular moment when I would sit down with somebody and, and tell them, like, listen, <laughs> today is the day. I'm going vegan and this is why it didn't really happen that way because it was a very gradual process. So I, I can't really remember that well, but I remember that one day, it, it was the day when, when both um, my partner and I, we went, when we went vegan on that day um, because it was kind of the last piece of puzzle I had to um, absorb to, to understand it as a whole. And that was a video on the egg industry, because I, at that point, I already understood what's wrong with meat, what's wrong with milk, um, dairy, dairy products, but I still didn't understand. So what's, what's wrong with having a backyard hen? You know, so many grandmas that I knew um, that were amazing, kind, amazingly kind people and loved their chickens. So I basically educated myself on the topic of eggs and somehow it all came together. And, um, and I said, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to become a vegan um, and I, so I, I shared this particular video that I've seen and changed my perception of um, these things. I sent it to all of my closest friends and family. But to be honest with you, I was a little bit disappointed, disappointed about their reaction because they, they haven't really reacted. I was, I was expecting them to perhaps get as shocked as I was, you know, and maybe have a, 
have a deep um, conversation about it and how what can we do about it and you know I, I became extremely passionate about the whole issue and it didn't really happen so it's been almost two years now since that day and I have to say I'm incredibly lucky that I have such a supportive uh, circle of friends and family who are definitely taking big steps to um, you know, reduce their carbon footprint, but also um, be kinder to the world around them. They're not necessarily vegan, not all of them, a few few friends are. Um, and we, we do have these conversations, but I understand that, um, yeah, we are all, all, all of us are on our own journey and it might, might oh, sorry, it might take a, a bit longer for um, some people than others. So... What's the particular problem with eggs? Because I'm a chicken lover. I used to have chickens. I want to have chickens again in the future. Again, as you suggest, not on a big scale, just in my back garden. And I love eggs uh, and eating eggs. So what's the particular, if you could summarize it, what are the particular issues with the egg industry that you object to? I'll ask you a question, John. Do you know... Um how many eggs would a wild hen lay in a year? 360. Or fewer, <laughs> maybe 50. Unfortunately, yeah, that's the correct answer uh, for the for, for the non-wild hen, for the for the hen that we have bred into existence um, for 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 it to produce eggs um, for us to consume. So yeah, but originally they the chickens they ovulate as much as as women do in a year so, so that would so be around 12, 12. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so originally a chicken would lay about 12 eggs a year i'm not a biologist i have to stress this that um i hope i'm getting these numbers right but yeah it should be around 12 eggs a year however humans in the course of the last many many years we have uh bred chickens to the extent that they are laying around two if not 300 eggs per year. Now, this process is not easy and it requires a lot of calcium. And there is the problem because um, in order to produce the eggshell, the chicken needs to um, release a lot of calcium from her body. And uh, that results in uh, the chickens having very, very uh, fragile bones. Uh, many of them have uh, developed troubles uh, walking uh, and yeah, just generally have or are in a very unhealthy condition. Um, and I can give you an example of what chickens do when you have a backyard chicken. They, as a result of this, they want to, um, often they want to eat the egg that they have produced. Um, and if you let them, if you let them, if you don't take the egg from them, they would eat the eggshell to supplement the calcium that they have lost. Yeah. However, if we take uh, the egg from them, they can't do that anymore. So this is definitely one of the more complicated and complex um, issues in you know, the whole vegan philosophy. But um, I think my bottom line is me as a vegan, I think I always think in this way that um, now we have so much scientific evidence that uh, a whole food plant-based diet is like the most healthy diet that a human can eat. Um, there have been these studies, I don't know if you heard about the blue zones, um, where a journalist found out that, you know, there are some certain areas in the world where people have the biggest longevity and what these areas have in common, apart from 
you know, being happy and exercising and living somewhere by the sea and socializing lots, they eat a predominantly plant-based diet. So people who live longest eat a predominantly plant-based diet. We're not necessarily talking vegan. It might be 80, 90% here and there an egg, here and there a piece of fish. Um, we're just talking nutrition right now and not the, you know, the moral philosophy behind it. But if, if this is the case, like if we can not only survive, but thrive on a vegan diet, what is the reason for us to consume chicken ovulation? You know, like what is the reason for us to consume um, a cow's milk and not like dog's milk or pig's milk or whatever? It's just, it's, you know, once you start questioning these things, you become like, hey, I've, it's, it, it makes sense, but I've never really thought about it because nobody really asked me. And we are, we are raised in the way that, um, you know, our parents tell us that a cow uh, has milk because she's a cow. Right. Yes, but she does, she, but it's for a calf, not for us. Yes. Exactly, exactly. But we somehow like our brains are wired in a way that a cow has milk because she's a cow, you know? So we don't question where the milk comes from, why she has the milk, but she has the milk because she's a mother, because she's a mammal, first of all, she's an animal, she's a mammal. And when she has a baby, then she needs to feed the baby via that milk. And if you start questioning these things, then you you start thinking that. You know, people on one hand are very creative and maybe this used to be a necessity back in the days. So we had to find a creative way how to feed ourselves. But now that we're living in a 21st century and if we're talking about countries that are, you know, thriving, they are developed and we have the choice in the supermarket whether to feed ourselves something healthy, nutritious, full of vitamins, vitamins that are coming um, from the actual source and not in a recycled form. Why, why would we still choose to um, consume, you know, cow's milk that is intended for her baby or, or a chicken's ovulation, which surprises us. Even when I heard it for the first time, I was like, ugh, yes. sounds disgusting. We're so, so used to eating eggs, but if you really start questioning it, then is it not a little bit weird, you know, that we, we, we still do this? So there's of course a lot to talk about, but those are my thoughts. Um, on veganism. Excellent. What about the the hardest part of becoming a vegan, maybe staying vegan? What's really challenged you and maybe surprised you a little bit? Mm -hmm. This is an excellent question because I've heard so many stories of people who tried to be vegan for a while and they haven't succeeded and found it really difficult. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I can't relate because um, in my case, I, I was very prepared in advance to, to become vegan. So I haven't really experienced it from that perspective that, you know, I would just be trying something quickly, improvising and doesn't go well. And then I just, you know, go back to normal. For me, it was a very um, profound and emotional experience. Um, I, was, I was becoming very invested in animal rights as I was learning about all these things. So um, even though originally I was, mainly interested in veganism uh, due to the environmental uh, reasons. I, at, at the end of the day, I became uh, a vegan because I wanted to be kind to animals. So if you have this core motivation, then there is no way of coming back. I think people who return uh, to being non-vegans as they were before are people who may maybe have, um, like their motivations lie in their health interests, or, you know, 
the either either health motivated people or environmentally motivated people. So if if I believe if your um, motivation comes from your heart and you want to be kind to the animals and you understand that uh, you don't want to participate in in their suffering, then I can't really imagine how you how you would go back. So to answer your question, what was the hardest part about uh, becoming a vegan? I believe uh, the hardest part was learning um, all of the atrocities that happened to the animals um, that caused me a lot of suffering because uh, I love animals, I always did. Um, and I never questioned whether I am being an ally to animals or not. Um, and once I found out that I actually wasn't and I was being the opposite and I was, I was funding uh, all of the torture that was happening to animals that I obviously had no idea about. But once I understood what is happening, I felt like it's my moral obligation to stop supporting that uh, violence and torture. So the hardest part was, was learning about the atrocities, but then even though the journey wasn't easy and it was difficult to absorb uh, all of this information, it's, it's influenced my life for the better, 100%. So. And could you say then, how has veganism changed your life? What's your favorite thing about it? What do you enjoy now so much that perhaps you took for granted before you became a vegan? I would say definitely the food itself. So for me personally, veganism is mainly about food. I, I try to, you know, shop sustainably and also not to use leather and, and you know, uh, in my hygienic products either. But I don't really shop that much, but I cook every day almost three times a day. Um, as you know, John, I used to have some health issues. Um, I developed some uh, digestive issues about a year ago when you know I lost my job due to COVID. It was a very stressful period. And I think my um, we know that our brain and our stomach, our gut uh, communicate intrinsically. So I believe that my gut was getting some very uh, stressful signals from my brain um, and it wasn't good. So. I was already vegan at that time, but as I said at the very beginning of, of our talk, there are two types of vegans. You can either eat a whole food plant-based diet, which is you know the, the healthy uh, diet, or you can be an unhealthy vegan or something in between, not necessarily two types. So um, as I started having health issues, I started looking into uh, vegan nutrition because before I was only looking uh, at animal rights and I wanted to understand why to be a vegan. And then once I was a vegan, I wanted to understand how to uh, do it correctly um, and how to maybe benefit from it the most I can as a person. So I read a few books and watched a few documentaries on, on vegan nutrition. Um, and if anybody who's listening is interested, I would, I would like to recommend two books if possible that have changed my life <laughs> is that possible okay so those were um it's a, it's a fairly new book released last year by dr bolsewitz it's a very complicated name so he goes by dr b and dr b uh released a book called fiber fueled and the whole book talks about fiber as one of the most um 
crucial scientific findings of the last decade, because um, we now know that our guts are made out of a microbiome, not only our guts, but you know, the, the, large, the vast majority of our microbes live in our gut. And it's just so fascinating how, um, how these microbes work and how you know we basically are just a walking ecosystem of microbes different bacteria viruses and and so on and uh, so i read his book and understood the bottom line that if you want to have a healthy body you have to have a healthy microbiome you have to have a healthy gut and how are you going to feed those bugs as he uh, calls them you, you should feed them with fiber and now where do you get that fiber from fiber from um, the answer is from plants. Every single plant contains fiber. Now, do you think uh, that animal products contain any fiber? Especially none, I'd say. None, none, exactly. So animal products don't contain any fiber. Now, if this is the latest scientific finding that for our health, it is key to eat fiber, what is our reason, even so to say, if animals had no feelings, they weren't suffering at all, why, you know, why on earth would we want to feed ourselves something that isn't benefiting our health? And I mean, yes, meat is tasty. I used to love meat as well, of course. But um, I mean, then of course there is this, uh, the whole moral side of things that we could get into, but uh, fiber fueled honestly changed my perspective on food because the book also um, includes a sort of recipe book at the end of at the end of it and I thanks to this book and thanks to my diagnosis um, I, I learned how to cook before I was a very 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 basic uh, cook but now um, yeah I, I just learned so many things thanks to this book and and learned how to uh, design my vegan plate in a way that um, I'm getting everything I need and I feel energized and I truly feel it um, after, after every meal that I'm not feeling heavy anymore. I don't feel sleepy. Um, I'm not gaining weight. I lost like 10 kilos in the last year. Um, I just, I can eat whatever I want basically if I eat a whole food plant-based diet and it's just so incredibly tasty. There are so many uh, ways of preparing vegetables. And <laughs> You said there was a second title, a second book that you would recommend? There was a second book, definitely. Um, although I would, I would, um, if somebody's uh, only at the beginning of their journey and want to get a little bit into vegan nutrition, I would for sure recommend Fiber Fueled because it's much easier to read and process. Uh, but there is this other book called How Not to Die by Dr. Greger. And I know that this book um, has also been translated to Slovak and it's called Ako Nezomrieć in Slovak, Dr. Greger. So this is a book that now my mom and my grandma, sorry? Is it a relation of yours or no relation? No relation, no relation, no relation. I'm Gregorova. Yeah, um, yeah but I wish that, that would be nice to share my blood with somebody uh, so healthy because Dr. Gregor seems to be the most, uh, the healthiest person on earth. Anyway, so Dr. Gregor is an amazing persona who, he's a, he's a physician who studied at 
I believe Cornell University or some kind of fancy American university and has basically dedicated his life to studying um, plant-based nutrition because his grandmother who was diagnosed with a very severe type of cancer back in the days, decades ago, um, she was able to heal herself thanks to a plant-based diet. So that's motivated him to examine it further. And he's even started his own NGO and he has a website called um, nutritionfacts.org where you can review all of this information for free. So unlike many other um, healers, how they like to label themselves, who, you know, who do it for money and, and just expect people to pay them so much for this amazing knowledge they have acquired. Dr. Gregor is different because he, he basically just does this to help humanity, you know? So oh, I'm a huge fan of him. What I'll do is I'll put links to both those books and the website that you just mentioned. Um, yeah. Nutrition so, so Dr. Gregor, at the end. How Not to Die is, it's an amazing book, but it's a very thick book and uh, not that easy to read. I would say you really need to um, sit down and concentrate on, on whatever you're reading because it's very um, scientific. Whereas Fiberfield is written very, in a very, very friendly and uh, digestible way. We were talking earlier about a BBC video, just a recent one of the bbc.com slash real videos where two twins, um, one eats for, th uh, I think it was for 12 weeks, a plant-based diet, vegan diet, and then another eats meat, uh, his regular diet. And they, they're both performance athletes, um, super athletes, and they compare how their bodies change and, and adapt over that period. And the doctor who supervises the research points particularly, as you say, to the, the health of the gut as the distinguishing factor between the two people, um, mm. and the twins. And really that's something that in science, as you've just said, is becoming increasingly realized as being very, very important to our, mm. our general health. Can yeah. we come on to what you used to eat before you were a vegan and what you eat now? You've mentioned plant diversity as what you eat now, but is there anything you miss from your previous diet or not? This was also a process. So I've now been vegan for about a year and a half. Currently, I don't miss anything. My entire life has changed uh, thanks to veganism. And talking about the diet, I've never enjoyed food as much as I do now. And this is thanks to the book Fiber Fueled. So um, if, if I could recommend one book to anybody, <laughs> literally anybody in the world, it would be this book because it's changed my life. As much as I love my mom, she's the best mom ever. <laughs> she's not a very passionate cook we haven't haven't really been cooking at home and experimenting with you know different cuisines or anything i'm from slovakia as probably most of your listeners are um slovak cuisine now i understand is not very healthy because it's very very animal product based all about meat cheese bacon not that many vegetables if any it's potatoes or here and there a carrot, I don't know. Um, I used to love all of that. Slovak cuisine used to be my favorite cuisine. But yeah, I, I never really cooked. My mom used to cook on weekends, sometimes for dinner. I would just, I basically spent my, most of my childhood eating in um, school canteens. Do you say canteens? Yeah, canteens. Or, yeah. yeah, school canteens or, yeah. Um, cafeterias uh, so I, I just I was eating very basically to be honest um, 
And then once I developed those digestive issues, I was forced to really start looking into nutrition and what should I be eating as a vegan? Because at that time I, I started being a bit concerned, you know, like that does this, that do these health issues that I developed not have to do with um, me having become a vegan or what was supposed to mean. So I also started working together with a vegan dietitian and understanding that, you know, how much protein you should have on your plate and how much uh, this or that. Um, I'm, I'm not an expert, so that's why I wouldn't want to get into uh, like very deeply into the nutritional side of things. But if you do the program that is uh, in fiber field, you will understand that you just basically need um, a small portion of uh, some kind of legumes and some kind of grains and a you know, combination of vegetables on your plate. And if you do that every day, you'll be covered. You'll be, you'll be more than covered. You'll be thriving. So at the end of Dr. Greger's book, uh, the highlight of the whole book is called uh, The Daily Dozen, The Dr. Greger's Daily Dozen, which is the result of you know, years of his work and, and his team's work. And they basically came to realize or um, they summarized um, the, the best foods for, for the human body. Um, so, or, or categories of food rather. And at the, at the very top of the list are legumes and grains. So if you want to really optimize your health, you should be eating three portions of legumes and three portions of whole grains every day and who does that you know who does that i i never did no, but <laughs> you do now <laughs> i do now i do now but people don't know this you know and we are like we are really experiencing this um huge shift uh in medical science everybody's talking about the microbiome now now we understand that we should be feeding ourselves fiber mm -hmm. and um yeah there is so much to talk about but i don't want to bore the listeners and i would just summarize that if if you do eat your beans and your grains every day and like a mix of vegetables and fruits um and then of course you have to supplement with b12 which is another topic but yeah you'll be you'll, you'll be more than fine and you'll be you'll be thriving and really feeling much better than eating animal products that end up clogging your arteries and leading to all sorts of different medical issues so yeah martina thank you very much for that that's really interesting and i think we'll separately talk um perhaps in another podcast about the the wider environmental aspects because that again was one of the other podcasts we were going to do together about cop 26 but in a way, oh, yeah. perhaps the less said about that, the better, because it's not been a great achievement, I don't think. Um, a missed mm. opportunity, I think many would would think about that climate change summit. But there is a connection, isn't there, between the breeding, the um, keeping animals, the amount of land it takes to grow, the crops that are needed to feed the animals, against eating those crops straight away for ourselves as humans would almost cut animals out of the food chain. Uh, and we yeah. wouldn't, there wouldn't be any detriment. There wouldn't be any loss. We could actually, that might actually be much better, not only for us as humans, as you've suggested, but also for the environment as well. But that's clearly a massive discussion, one we can get into. Yeah. I might just, just, just touch on that briefly, because I think it just, in the beginning, everything sounds so complicated. Even I, I remember it took me months to maybe simply 
simplify all that information for myself. But now, like if, if I was to explain to somebody what environmental impact, just to a child even, you know, what environmental impact it has uh, to constantly breed uh, livestock into existence. Well, if you just think about it, that you have to feed a cow. Now imagine how big the cow is and how much space it needs to get the, what is it, gaze, graze, <laughs> graze. Yeah, graze, yes. Great, like how, how much space it needs to graze, how much food and water, how many resources uh, it requires to in order to survive, just so that we can have this piece of steak, you know, that's why, um, that's why you can lower your carbon footprint if you, if you um, reduce your meat consumption. But these are the reasons like there is Scient uh, scientists have studied this, that uh, there is enough food, there are indeed enough vegetables and crops um, in the world to feed the entire world's population. But the problem is that we are feeding most of that to livestock. So if this is, of course, uh, a utopic or utopistic idea that, um, you know, if everybody went vegan overnight, there would be enough food to feed everybody, you know, there wouldn't be a world hunger. Um, but that's, of course, as I said, it's it's not manageable. <laughs> uh, well, we can certainly return to those those discussions because I think they have a lot of depth and they're very relevant and they account yeah. for deforestation, which we've talked, um, you know, yeah. globally, people have been talking about for some time. But the those agricultural reasons were why I became a, a vegetarian many years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I've since returned to eating meat for a different reason but initially it was because a french um, colleague of mine talked through those kind of models about how much land was being used to grow crops and i was convinced by the argument it was very very interesting and it's now yeah. returned a generation later to be a really important part of our future thinking oh thank you thanks again martina for sharing your personal journey with us it's really very important and i'm very you know delighted to see you looking so well and so healthy that's clearly down to your diet you, we are what we eat i think that is really true um and again thank you very much for your time yeah i definitely agree on that last bit and yeah basically everything you just said thank you so much john for having me i, I had a great time discussing uh these things that as i have mentioned are dearest to my heart and um, if I could help anybody with any of the information I've shared, I'm, I'm more than happy. And um, I had a great time. So thanks. Okay, I'm going to put those links on the, the podcast description. So everybody listening to the podcast can go straight to those links as well. So that's something I'll do just now. So uh, Martina, and thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye.